thinking back about my career, I, the bad plays stand out probably more than the good ones because it, when you're a competitor and a winner, you expect the good things to happen. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Heading to Iowa after the show to put on my bets for the first 12-0 season of Nebraska football in the last 20 years. Love it. Love it. I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? The hay is in the barn. Fall camp is upon us, and these players are ready to go. Let's get it! All right. Good stuff, guys. Uh, We are minus Boomer tonight. Uh, I think he's back in Columbus, and I think he has uh, internet speeds, like somehow, like, being drawn by a horse or something like that. So he's uh, not able to join us. So we are kicking off uh, the season four, the red cast guys. I think both of you are actually at fan day. You want to give us some instant reaction on your experience there in Memorial stadium. Yeah. Well, first off, I think it was an amazing event again. I mean, they do an awesome job of just bringing in the fans. And we had some fans that we ran into. I, I ran into a, a Jamie love, uh, mm-hmm someone that follows us on, on Twitter and, and she was standing in line at four 30 in the morning. And that's just amazing. That's just, she's just one in the morning. Oh yeah. Yeah, It's just one example of the many fans of Husker football. They're, they're just there. They love this team. They'll, they'll follow it thick and thin. But, but, but college football attendance is so down, Matthew. How, how is this, how's this possible? Well, you know, if you're Alabama, maybe start playing games like at Wisconsin and and having Wisconsin play at your school. I mean, that's the point. Give give fans a reason to show up, and Nebraska fans have never had a reason not to show up. They just, you know, this is just with Frost. They have every reason to show up now, right? And so that fan day was a great example of that. I mean, people were there hours early. I walked around the stadium at two thirty, and they're throwing the football around with their kids, and they're just taking photos with the statues. It was just awesome. It feels like football season, and I'm talking it's August first and second. I mean, mm-hmm. we're four weeks away still. And that's what I love about it. Uh, Hawk, what was the ballpark attendance there? I mean, how many people show up to Fan Day? I don't know, Mac. What did you, you think? What did you see? I mean, the photographs, it looks packed, but it's just really hard to put a, a number the field on was, The field was full. 27,000, Dave. I'm <laughs> um, pretty sure that's the number everybody landed on near at least two sections of Memorial Stadium. got Stadium's a helicopter cover. to take the photograph and uh, do the... Uh, I mean, the drones kind of came you, in. You had about- run... You had runs into it. Yeah, it's 27,000. Yeah, it was 27,000. I mean, I, I don't know the number, but whatever the highest college football number possible for their fan day, we eclipsed that by double. That's There's right. No Alabama had 13,5. We had 27. All right. That makes perfect I mean, sense. It's just an eyeball. I'm just eyeballing it, but that's that's what I saw. I think and, and, and I'll tell you what else I saw. I saw. I saw Husker fans ready for football, and I saw Husker players ready to play you know you know what i saw i saw little kids that were getting they're, they're getting all the autographs and mac i we took the one photo and we, we put it out there on social media and the little kid that was getting his helmet signed by um, caleb tanner, caleb tanner. Yeah. and it was so cool it's just it was just a neat little moment there's nothing special necessarily about it, but it was just there's this kid that goes up in there and he just looked like he was in awe of this player and the the players is big giant to him and he's just sitting there signing his name, but it was so cool. Like it's everything that encompasses what Husker football is about. It's the thing that it reminds me when I was that age. Oh my gosh. The reason we do a damn podcast, it's just yeah. 
This program means this to these kids, the people, the fans of this state. I love what that day meant. You know, guys, I've just come to a realization, like, in this very moment of how much fun this season of doing this podcast may be, right, Mac? Because... I mean, the enthusiasm I'm hearing from you guys, just going to fan day, for goodness sakes, I'm I'm obviously out of state. I'm not surrounded by that. I listen to a lot of other stuff, but I'm not there. It seems like there's a lot of enthusiasm uh, for the program and what this season holds. Can you imagine, Mac, right now, if we, we start winning some games, what this podcast is going to be like? It's fascinating to me because all of us on the Redcast are of the same age, you know, and we all harken back to the late 90s and we saw we saw the pinnacle of, of Husker football. And, and we all relate to what Lincoln was like and what the program was like and what the state was like and how rabid of a fan base we are. And to be truthful, that that's never necessarily gone away, but our expectations have been... <laughs> Altered. Well, maybe not altered, but they what the team has produced has certainly fallen short of our expectations. Sure. And and I and I to to talk to my twenty something coworkers about what they think this football season is going to be like. They just they just have no idea. They just have no idea what happens when this football team gets hot, gets red hot. But you go to fan day and the excitement level and like we're all parents. And like to have these these guys our age with their kids and they're just pushing them forward. Like you want to you're gonna want to get Adrian Martinez's autograph. That guy's gonna be important. Wandell Robinson. And I think about a fan day. You know, we talked about college football attendance already a little bit, but for these freshmen to come in and see the kind of response just for fan day should solidify the reason they came to Nebraska in the first place. Everybody's got facilities. Everybody's got tradition. Everybody's on TV. You know, blah blah blah. But whose fans show up like Nebraska fans? No ones. Well, Fan Day Phil on our Go Big Redcast a Gmail account, he asked, who made your first off the bus team based off of Fan Day? Now, Mac, you were there, but I'm also going to ask it to you, Dave, as well, because I know you looked at a bunch of the photos, but, but Mac, you were there in person. You saw these guys. Who made that first off the bus team for you? Here's the good news. <laughs> I, could, I could choose from a lot of guys, so I'm just going to say a few. <laughs> because, and, and I can start with... Let's say Farniak, Matt Farniak, the elder Farniak. I agree. The kid has put in work. He looks fantastic. He looks ready to go. And then I can cycle it all the way back to Ramir Johnson, a guy who my concern was maybe he comes in a little small. I know he's a fast guy. I looked at him. I'm like, he's ready for Big Ten play. And then I could go to a guy like Caleb Tanner. Caleb Tanner's put mm-hmm. on the proper amount of good weight that you need to, to put on to be I, an effective I've, I've, I've heard people be... Concerned that he hasn't put on the, the amount of weight that he needs to be, but what I looked at him, those and, people and, are wrong. I I don't know what exact what his exact <laughs> weight is, but that guy's lit. I mean, he's lifted. He's Listen, stronger. There's no he, doubt. There's, there is zero doubt about that guy. So first off the bus, pick your poison. Uh, Diedrich Mills looks like oh, a, yeah. a like a hardened leather boot. I mean, mm. the guy is pure ripped muscle, and that's a that's juke interesting. Guy. He hasn't even had Zach Duvall's treatment, right? I mean... You know, but it speaks to his dedication coming in, and, it, and, yeah. and, and like, you don't recruit those guys that aren't ready to come in and play, and that, that speaks to the mentality and the culture that this this coaching staff has, has permeated throughout this program. You know, Frost talked about his press conference, you know, like, the amount of buy-in on this team is to a level that he hasn't seen very much and that speaks volumes when you're talking about a coach who's had a Heisman Trophy winner, who's gone undefeated and beat Auburn in a, yep. in a bowl game. So 
Take it for what it's worth, folks, but from a physicality standpoint, the Husker boys look ready to play. Dave, what did you see online? I know I sent you some photos too, but I mean, did you see anybody that really kind of like, you know, tipped the, the scales to you about like, man, these guys look like they put in the work? Yeah, I'll have a little bit more fun with this one. Not that Mac didn't have fun right there, but I'll say Jack Stoll. Uh, oh, Jack no Stoll in the mullet, man. I mean, that is... Uh, yeah, from a pure he was, fun standpoint, totally. <laughs> yeah, just, and also the fact that I mean, he was also in part of their like uh, their video of them uh, going into day one of camp, and it uh, seems like he's the leader there, and uh, that's cool, you know? And uh, him and several others are having a lot of fun with uh, the uh, kind of retro 80s hairstyle that... Is uh, never really left Nebraska in some ways. So <laughs> yeah, if, if they cool. had an ACDC cutoff shirt, <laughs> yeah, I mean that that would fit the picture perfectly. Yeah, Back in black, man. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> hey, you know, I, I put down a couple names here, but Vocalic, the the kid that's not going to be able to even play this year because he's going to be sitting out. But the the tight end transfer from from Rutgers, that kid looked the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stilly up to two eighty five. I mean, the guy two ninety five. Well, he said 285 on the, on the radio show I was listening to, but I mean, it could be. He's wrong. Okay. He's huh? 290. He's wrong about his own weight. That's cool. I, don't, I have no problem with that. But here's another guy, Hannes. And yeah. this is a guy that a year ago, when you talk about getting the right four game, play for four games, mm-hmm. so retro, yeah. nobody benefited more from that than Hannes. Mm-hmm. And he physically looks different than a year ago. He looks bigger. He is ready to go. I think another guy is Martinez. And, you know, obviously that kid gets all the talk, but that guy looks different than a year ago. We're going to expect him to take some hits. He's going to run the ball in this offense. And you know what? He's 20 pounds bigger than he was a year ago to to take those hits. Awesome. Last guy, I thought, and he doesn't get a lot of talk, Dismuke, that dude, Mm. absolutely going to be a difference maker this year. The two guys I'm pretty firm on this year are Dismuke and in, in Williams, Deontay Williams. Yeah, and, oh, and they the both looked amazing. Mac, you brought up a good point about the, the secondary. Like, there's too much talk about no fly zone right now. And not to knock the, the corners, I think we think highly of, of the guys, but I don't know that the corners are the guys that impress us. The safeties are the guys we think can be the difference. Athletic different makers. But the other point to that, to, to, to go back to the development and the, and the, uh, Zach Duvall, and you look at our redshirt freshman. Ty Robinson looks like a oh full-grown man. Oh Casey Rogers is a monster. These are young dudes. I, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. A, those are those are the guys that we're not even counting on this year, guys. When we talk about the defensive line, Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers are so far down the list of people we talk about. Oh yeah, and 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 they look monstrous. The Daniels. Like we're talking. We're talking Daniel brothers, Davis brothers, but you know, Ben Still and um, uh, DeAndre Thomas. We're talking six guys before we even get to the Robinsons yeah, and, and the, exactly. the Rodgers that you just talked about. So and good that we moved Banks to, to offensive line, to Piper. And Piper. Holla! Yeah, and speaking of the depth of that D-line, I, I, we're going all over the place here, but we did uh, confirm that we have Jakeem Green, uh, the Juco guy from uh, Kansas is is going to be on campus, I think, here in just a few days. Mm-hmm. And that, you guys have got to be excited. That's an, another addition, and the depth is being built there. Another guy that you could potentially only see for four games this year, but maybe four key games. Or maybe if he's that good, he plays a lot more. It's hard for me to see a guy that can just come in here right now and compete on the same level as guys that have been through the Duvall War Daddy movement for the last two years. Having said that, to your point, Dave, he's going to come in here. And let's say he's ready by November. And what do we do in November? We play Iowa. 
Mm-hmm. We play Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. We play a Big Ten title game because we won the West. And he can play in four games. He can play in four very important games. It's hard for me to imagine him coming in and competing immediately with Davises and Daniels. But I hope he's every bit of what we're told. But he's got to come in here and be in that kind of shape. If not, he's going to have to earn it, and he's he'll have some time to do it. Well, the, well, the good news is if he gets on the field, then he's earned it. Because yeah. Cause yeah. Frost even made mention of the fact that he goes down there and Duvall's reported back to him that, what is there, seven to eight guys that are squatting 800 pounds. <laughs> on the D-line alone. The, you know, so, so if he's playing, he's good. And if he's not playing, yep. not all is lost. I mean, because we're going to need him next year anyway. So it's a humongous win. It would have been one of those wins that I would have downplayed had he gone to Texas Tech because that's my nature. But he's on the team. <laughs> he's he he's here to compete. More power to him. It's just another feather in the cap, another example of how this staff staff operates, how Ryan Hell gets down and dirty with recruiting, and how we're going to separate ourselves from Absolutely. the Wisconsin's, the Iowa's, the Purdue's, the Minnesota's of the West. So, Dave, here, I, I'm going to ask you a question here. This is based off of kind of what we saw on, on Twitter here. And DiNardo from BTN, he said, I just think that NU is overrated. But I think that everybody that follows Big Ten football thinks it's just a matter of time. So he's kind of saying it's a little bit overrated. This is actually probably the right thing to hear right now. There's so much hype. There's so much good news. But he's saying that, you know, it's a matter of time, but maybe this is overrated right now. What what are your thoughts, Dave, in the sense that is this too much too soon? Sure, it is too much too soon in the in the sense that, I mean, it's just hard to to know what's fact and what's fiction at this point, right? The jury's credit here. I listened to that interview. It was on the bottom line. And I mean, he, he had a lot of caveat there. I mean, he was like, say, hey, I, I he's probably going to take Iowa, but hey, let me give, let, let me watch practice here first before, you know, you really confirm that I'm saying that Nebraska still has a little bit to go. But I mean, his instinct is like, this is too quick, you know, too much too soon. It, it, it's this, this yin and yang with the national media at this point, where you've got guys like Bruce Feldman, for example, who has been to Nebraska multiple times and is completely bought in to the long-term progress of this program under Scott Frost. And he's like, I just cannot not believe that he's going to not get this done, right? He just thinks it's going to happen, right? It's a matter of timing there. And you see that with Big Ten media voting us to win the West. It was a tie with Iowa, but, you know, points and whatnot. But point is, we're, we're first or second there. But then you have other folks who probably have not been like Bruce Feldman and visited the campus and visited the program and talked to the coaches and seen the progress of the players who are like, yeah, it's just hard for me to imagine that you can go from four and eight and four and eight, max point have we done four and eight two years in a row, not just one, and then suddenly be a title contender. It's just one of those things where I think it's a matter of the belief in the program opposed to belief in if this is the year or not that Nebraska gets it done. That takes me back, and what you said, Dave, I think is perfect. But what takes me back is to our last show. And Redcasters, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back. Listen to the Pick 6 Previews one with Brett Sancia. I mean, he was amazing. A couple days after he did our show, he did Sharp and Benning, which was awesome. He's been on a lot of shows. He's amazing. It's a great show. Get his publication. But my point is with him is that because he has created a formula, Game Grader, grader, He's created a formula, and what it is is you you insert all this data, you insert all the stats and all that stuff into it, and it kind of spits out that, hey, you should be, if you have these kind of stats, you should win six, seven, eight, nine, whatever the heck, whatever the heck it should be, right? 
And when you input all the data into last season, his game grader says Nebraska should win 78 games. Mm-hmm. And we didn't. I'm not trying to argue that. We we clearly went 4-8. and eight. But what his point is is that if you looked at that team last year and you said, boy, that didn't look like a four-win team. That looked like a seven-to-eight-win team, but they did enough things wrong to lose games. He's basically telling you with his formula, your eyes aren't deceiving you. You really were a seven-to-eight-win team, right. but you screwed up enough times. You 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 made bad moves in, in the Colorado and Troy and you know Purdue game and Northwestern. Oh, my God. So you know that's why you won four games. And at the same time, he looks at the Northwestern team that wins the West, that wins nine games, doesn't win a single non-conference game last year. But he looks at that team, and he goes, you know what? That team really, in my formula, looked like a five to six win team. But what they did is they did all the things right. They won they all the close battles. The yeah, they, they they locked down the red zone. They won all the close battles. They didn't have the penalties. Yep. They did all the things right. I mean, all the credit to Fitzgerald. This is not a knock on a team. But the point is, if I put that team through my formula, if I did this you know, nine, ten years in a row, they're going to be about a five to six win team. Mm. That's not a team that's going to win nine every year doing exactly the same thing they did. Now you go to this year and you go, okay, now we have all the benefits of being here in here for two years. We have a returning quarterback. Now we're not playing Michigan, Michigan State. We're instead we're playing Indiana and Maryland. We're playing home games against Wisconsin and, and Iowa and, and Ohio State. And it's amazing. I'm not sitting here. I don't want to be that guy that's trying to build a hype. Mm-hmm. I'm, I truly am not. What I'm going to tell people right now is there is nothing on our schedule we can't win. I'm not. I'm. I'm. What? I'm not. I'm not going to build chug a, a chug hype. Chug a chug on the hype but train. If no. we win the national championship by 21 points, no, no. I'm not going to be surprised. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying we're going to go 12 and 0. What I'm saying is, there's 10 no, and 2. Maybe 10. Maybe 10. Maybe 10 and 2. What I'm saying is, you. what I'm saying is, there's nobody on this schedule, and this is the first time I can say this with a straight face in years. There's nobody on the schedule that I feel like we can't beat right now. Now, a year ago, I could have told you the same thing, but I would be laughing about traveling to Michigan or traveling to Ohio State or traveling to Wisconsin or whatever. I don't feel that. We can win any one of these games. There's nobody on this conference or or nobody on this schedule that we can't beat. Now, having said that, if you came back and said, hey, we go eight and four, like it's possible that we could lose at Purdue or we could lose – I would agree with every one of those things. Well, we, could, sure. we could lose any of those games. There's no game where I'm like, there's no way we can win it. The point is, it isn't just, you know, Husker Kool-Aid that's making the, these kind of predictions. I mean, the schedule plays a humongous role in this factor. The schedule basically flips. All of our hard games are at home. And you get a, a year two of a coaching staff bonus, which actually ends up being a year four of a coaching staff when you when you figure in all these guys I have agree. been together for this long. You've got year two of a strength and conditioning staff that has has done marvels in the short time that they have. But really what it boils down to is we were close in the games that were hard at the end and the schedule flips. I mean, and and that's what you look at. I have no problem with people who predict us to win eight games. I have no problem with people who predict us to win nine to ten. Anything less than five, you're garbage. (laughs) Dave, let me let me tell you a little social media here and then you give me your thoughts on this. Okay. About a week ago, I sent a thing out, and it was just a dumb poll for a day, and we had like 920 votes. You had a it, dumb poll? It was, it was a dumb poll, How right? big was your dumb poll? My dumb poll was <laughs> 920 <laughs> votes worth, you know? So we poll. had 920 votes, and the question simply was, like, we play three big home games. We play Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. You know, how many of these games are we going to win? Are we going to win zero, one, two, or three? Are we going to win all three of them, or are we going to win zero or anything in between? 
80% of 920 votes, 80% of them came back basically that we were going to win at least two of those games. Yeah, and, and, so and 45% we, of that was an Iowa voters. <laughs> I'm just making that my, my point is I don't, give a, I don't give a hoot who out of those two. Th- it doesn't matter which of the two of the three. The point is if people really truly believe that we're going to at least win two out of Iowa, Wisconsin, and Ohio State, who's going to beat us after that? I mean, if we yeah. win the, two of those three games, if I said we go 10-2, and two, that's not crazy. Yeah, I mean, the, the pessimist would say, like, well, we're going to lose a game that we shouldn't lose, all those type of things. And I right? agree, and we'll still go 10-2. Right. and two. Yeah, we yeah. Shouldn't no, lose I understand. So, I mean, what, what we're getting to here is expectations. Yes. And our expectations are starting to change as a program, and maybe uh, harken back to uh, the 1990s. We did listen to Scott Frost and the uh, the press conference uh, for a couple of days ago to kick off fall camp, and uh, he seems to be embracing those expectations, uh, maybe almost welcoming them into uh, the program. Uh, Mitch Sherman at the Athletic had a really good article, just simply saying, "Is like, don't laugh, but Scott Frost is saying, hey, uh, let's embrace you know expectations from the '90s and and let's go after it, guys. Maybe respond to that just a little bit, and then your other takes from that press conference, Mac. You know, I was I was talking to my good buddy Clark about this. You know, Frost throughout that press conference basically referred to himself or his team as a winner, maybe three times, you know, like, you know, like we talk about, like I walk around in this building and there's more of a winning mentality, which is what I'm used to. Or when, when you're a winner, you just sort of expect good things to happen. And when bad things happen, that's what you remember because you're such a winner that you're used to winning, that the only thing that stands out in your mind is losing. Losing sucks. Yeah. So when, and he was referring to his quarterback, because Adrian had come out and said, you know, he remembered this play. He remembered the fumbles. He remembered the interceptions. And and Frost was asked about that. And was like, well, is that the mindset you wanted the quarterback? Yeah, because he's a winner. And winners remember the things they lost, so they never do those things again. So that that kind of just, you can tell that trickle-down effect from a lifetime winner. I mean, I, I'm sure I've said this on the show before, but Frost is a lifetime winner. He's the... He's like a Tom Brady. He's a guy who's just used to things going the right way, not because of arrogance, not because of cockiness, but because of preparation, because of a system, because of a belief in what they're doing. And it, and, and you're starting to see that filter down to his players throughout every person's player, coach, whatever's press conference afterwards, you saw the same message coming across. Expectations be damned. This is what I think. I will be disappointed short of that. So on social media, Twitter specifically, uh, Chaz and SoCal, and he's a great guy. We love follow. Chaz and SoCal. Ah, Chaz, we love you, buddy. I hope you're listening. And he asked a question about what was something that came out of that press conference. And the thing that I wrote back to him was about the toughness part. And Frost made such a point about toughness. And he goes, how do you train for it? He goes, we're going to have physical practices. Listen, we're also going to have physical practices. Uh, We're going to hit each other and compete in practice. And if you ask me what made our team tough uh, when I was playing, it was the day-to-day challenge of going up against some of the guys that you had to go up against. And... You know, we're going to have a lot of live periods. We're going to have a lot of competitive periods. And um, I hope our guys get comfortable in that kind of arena where they're having to go to battle with some other really good player and, and try to come out on top. Now, this is the point that I want to make about this. 
a year ago, and I'm a big physical practice guy. Go back two years ago, listen to us, listen to our shows, and we had you know Riley coaching. Absolutely, I, I was not happy that we weren't you know hitting as hard as I wanted, right? But Frost, a year ago, you go back one year ago, Frost wasn't saying we're going to beat the heck out of each other in practice. He just he just wasn't making that statement yet. We weren't ready yet as a program, and yet a couple days ago when he when he answered that question about we're going to be physical in practice, he talked about how. From a strength and conditioning standpoint, and from a depth standpoint, we're just that much further along. What he said spoke volumes about his confidence where we're going to hit. He goes, going into year two at UCF, we had Osborne come down. Osborne spoke to the team. He spoke to the coaches. We had Coach Osborne come down and speak to our team in Orlando right before year two uh, during camp. And there's a million things that were valuable that he said, but, but one of the things that made an impression on us as a staff was him reminding us that on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, even during the season, we had live periods, ones-on-ones. And we adopted that that year. You always run a risk as a head coach when you make that decision because you can get somebody tweaked or hurt in practice. But the benefit that we thought we gained from that, just staying sharp, kind of refining our toughness and grit, I think uh, was more valuable than any potential uh, risk of getting someone injured. And the value of it, look at what that second team of UCF did. He feels like they're ready to do that right now again at Nebraska. They weren't ready to do it a year ago. They just weren't at that place. We did it some here last year. I think our players are in a better position to have the endurance to get through the season this year and continue to do it this year. I think we have better depth, so we're not going to be as worried about getting one guy nicked up in a period like that. So I think we'll ramp it up this year and make sure our guys are continuing to compete. But we did it some last year. That tells you where you're at from year one to year two. We're going to be physical. Yeah. We're going to hit guys. That's it. Hey, Honky, you have to just be so excited to to hear that, right? You didn't hear it last year. Oh. Now you're hearing it this year, right? It's the equivalent of football porn. I am, ex- <laughs> dude, look, I'm ecstatic. Like, if somebody's a big recruit, Nick, and they go, all the only way you can win is by getting four and five stars, good. I, I hope we get a bunch of four and five stars, and I'll root you on. I'm willing to compromise. I don't care if we get three, four, five, whatever stars. I want us hitting hard in practice. I want us being physical. I want us to be the strongest team out there. And I want us recruiting local kids whenever and, and however possible. And this, you'd like us never to, to alter from our uniforms. Well, never. That, that part of it too. But, <laughs> but so my, my point is. Have a fullback. Yeah, well, that yeah, I do want that. But my point is, we're going to go out there. We're going to win a national title, right? Well, no, I'm not, saying, I'm not even saying this. I'm saying we're going to win a national title at some point under Frost. 2019. Yeah, that's fine. But we're going to win a national title, and somebody's going to come out and say, we won a national title because we had the 15th ranked recruiting class last year. I'm willing to compromise and saying that's important too. But you know what's also important? We're hitting. We're being physical in practice, recruiting local kids, and of course we're going out and getting great kids nationally. That's the formula that will always win at Nebraska. And runs us. This is great stuff, guys. And two things here. Uh, One thing, back to pick six. And and you guys may know the terminology a little bit, Honk, but they have a really interesting page early in in their magazine or or PDF, whatever you want to call it, that talks about like player development. Something that, that we've talked a lot about is like, how can we actually, I don't know, measure the player developments that occurring in different programs, right? And it was really interesting because like 
Wisconsin and Iowa scored extremely mm-hmm. high, and we're not that high, right, yep. over the last four or five years. And so that's what you're talking about, right? I mean, we're developing It players. truly is, because I asked that question, and again, people, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to our last episode with Pick 6. It is such a good one. Brett is just awesome. And Mac, I know you and I, we learned so much from him. And at the same time, I tried to probe a little bit with him about the star system and the recruiting and all that stuff. And all of that is important. I come off as a negative guy about recruiting, and I don't mean it that way. It is important to get high-rated guys. But my point was, it doesn't end there. It's not like you just recruit Jakeem Green, and he's just going to be a stud. Because you know what? He's going to be a four-star kid that comes in here, and he's not ready to play right away. He just hasn't physically developed to do it. Nobody can convince me he can. He needs to come in here, and he needs to work hard, and he needs to develop himself along the season, right? But once he does that, he can be an unbelievable player. And what Brett did at pick six is what he incorporates into his formula is that there is a development factor that goes with it too. So you have to recruit great players. And you know what? When they get here, do something with them. Work with them. Get them bigger. Develop them. A guy like Ben Stilley, who was 245 pounds two years ago and three years ago as an outside linebacker, who's now 285 and he's 295. A, 295. And he's a solid DN. And, you know, that's what you need. You need the development to go along with the recruiting. It, it, this is nothing. This is nothing groundbreaking. What we're talking yeah. about right now. This is the part. This is what's so amazing about Scott Frost here. Have we had nothing, a better four star than Adrian Martinez? Under Frost, absolutely. Under anybody. That's a really good point, Mac. In the sense that I was thinking, I was looking at Adrian is like Phil Still number seventeen for dual threat quarterback. You're telling me there's sixteen better dual threat quarterbacks out of that class than Adrian Martinez. Dave, let I'd me, like to see them. Let me give. They've got to be phenomenal. Okay, so let me give you like two examples of two different players that kind of fit a, a recruiting role here. One of them would be a three star Amir Abdullah. You know, obviously he wasn't recruited by the Southern schools because they didn't want him as a running back. Obviously he ended up being a stud. Good for him. How about a four-star defensive tackle from Portland named Madame Kinsu, who's here for three years, three of his five years, more than half the time that he was at Nebraska, he was here under Callahan. Mm-hmm. The guy, after three years, I mean, he was ready to, re- to transfer. He was overweight. You watch that Colorado game where we lost the game 60 to 50 or whatever the hell it was in 2007. A horrible 65, game. 65-51, I believe. Is Sue a good talent? Of course he's a good talent. Was he developed like crap for three years? Of course he was. And then you get good development with just two years. Two of his five, less than half the time he was in Lincoln. He had good development under Pliny. And look what that guy turned into. So my point is, is that what I liked about Brett with Pick 6 Previews on our last show, again, listen to our last show. But what I'm getting at (laughs) is that the guy, he was able to match that it's important to get good recruits, but he could tie it into development. He had It was built into his formula, was what are the good programs that develop players? And I hate to say this to you, Husker fans, because... I hate Iowa as much Not as you do, right now. but it's, yeah. well, it is us now, Dave. I mean, and I'm saying yeah, that in previously, a, I'm saying that in a very arrogant way. It's, it's us now, but who it has been, has been Wisconsin. It's been Iowa. It's been TCU. It's been Washington. It's been a number of teams that, you know, Mac, as we listen to Brett talk about it, it's been a number of teams that have recruited the three-star kids and have somehow miraculously turned out these, these, you know, gem well, of teams. It's teams with identities though. I mean, that's that's yes. the common theme. Agreed. Those, like, Iowa has an identity. Yep. Wisconsin has an identity. Agreed. TCU has an identity. Nebraska hasn't had an identity until Frost has gotten here. There's no question what this team wants to be. And that's and that's where you can take this recruiting class 
and you've got a strength and conditioning coach that are exactly on the same page. And now you take these recruiting rankings that we've all kind of pointed to in the offseason because it's the only thing we can We're win. always the strong. It's, yeah, We win the offseason every year, but then you get on the field and they make us yeah. look like we're, punks. We're the strongest. In, I mean, we're, it's not even cl- – if recruiting rankings mean anything, and believe me, recruit next. All of you out there that are pulling your hair out because I'm sitting here saying recruiting is not important. No, it is. It is important. We are killing the West in recruiting. This is nothing new. Nope. Us finishing 15th last year. That's not even a frost year, effect. Or 20, it, it isn't. If I sat here and I told you right now we're going to go 12-0 this year, and every single Husker realist out there goes, oh, that's BS. Show me it first. I don't believe you. Guess what? We literally have recruited better than every single school in the West. And right now in the East, what we have to do is- By a large our, margin. By a large I mean, margin. Let's... And right now in the East, we've just replaced Michigan and Michigan State with Indiana and Maryland. And- Ohio State, who we lost by five points in the fourth quarter to a year ago, we now play at home. So what I'm saying is, if I told you we we're going to go 12 and 0, and I'm not saying I, I'm not making that prediction yet, but I'm saying if we yet, if I said we're going to go 12 and 0, what I'm saying is, is we've recruited better than everybody in our division. We're not going to lose to South Alabama, Northern Illinois. It's not even a stretch to me to say that we're good enough to go 12 and 0. Now, are we consistent enough? Can we do it game after game? Are we never going to, you know, have a bad game at Purdue? I mean, I'm not saying that yet. I'm just saying recruiting wise, we're already there. We yeah. already have the players. Now we've had 20 plus months of development from Duval. That's why I'm saying it's possible. Now, Dave, let me go back to, you know, Denardo was the first one to kind of sit there and from a national standpoint and say, "Hey, I don't know that I think Nebraska might be a little bit overrated. And when he's saying overrated, we're talking about Phil still saying that we're going to go to the uh, Rose Bowl. We're talking about mm-hmm. whoever that one quarterback is that was on ESPN. The instead UConn of, quarterback. It's Greg McElroy. Oh, no, that's uh, Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea who he is, but he said we're going to make the playoffs. Good right. for him. I, I appreciate the guy, right? I think he just said that we were like a dark horse for the playoffs. Let's not give Dan yeah, he's too a, much. He's a Katy yeah. Perry dark well, horse. Well, and the thing is, we've got plenty of people that are willing to give us some of the pub like that. I want to ask you a question, Dave. The the Husker Cuscast, they asked a question on Twitter and they go, if you go five and seven or 12 and 0, what would shock you more? And I thought that was a great question because it is truly the extremes. Five and seven is an extreme. No one thinks we're going that. 12 and 0 is an extreme. No one thinks we're going that. What would shock you more, five and seven or 12 and 0? It is a really good question uh, because it makes it kind of black and white. And just from a raw number standpoint, I, I think. 12 and 0 is closer to what most people are predicting than 5 and 7. So I would I would go that route, right? If you're simply saying that most people feel good about it at minimum 8 and 4, maybe 9 and 3, you know, some people are happy about 10 and 2. 12 and 0 is easier to get there than 5 and 7. Only to go 5 and 7, you'd have to lose quite a few games that you wouldn't expect to lose. Mac, thoughts on that? I'm 100% with you on that. I just, five and seven would be, it's, it's a gut punch I'm not ready for. I just, I just can't imagine that. Just, just non-conference wise. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, if we go five and seven, you can count me off this podcast. I'm not doing another, <laughs> I'm not doing another losing season, folks. This is my last losing season. That's all I'm going to say. We're done. With Frost is done with being home for Christmas, yeah. he said. And you're done with doing losing season podcast. Yeah. Fact. Frost said the same thing. Mac, you're exactly right. Huh? Good point. 
Good point with that. I mean, he's like, we are not ever going to be home for Christmas ever again. So that's great stuff. We are going off on tangents. <laughs> you can you can slightly tell, folks, if you're listening, that this Redcast is ready for this football season. And uh, we cannot wait for it to start. But I really did want to get back a little bit about the physical practice stuff, oh. which, Honky, you have harped on since day one of this Redcast. And honestly, for, I don't know, like a decade uh, with us, I was taken you know to that quote that frost had and and your question with chaz and socal etc i was listening to sirius xm yesterday morning i'm mowing the the grass you know and it's uh college football today or whatever john jansen michigan lineman played in the nfl for a long time is on it with greg mcelroy and they had a really interesting conversation they were talking about someone had called in and, and and was talking about the effect of the spread offense on football in general and how it's changed practices and back in the day before the spread had had gone everywhere offensive linemen were the biggest baddest guys on the team and they're the most physical and and when uh john jansen was saying like when uh when in doubt you fire out right you're like you're you're pushing forward and that's what you're doing and things have changed so much with offensive line play and, and the spread has changed how you coach that and it also has really changed the the with the lack of physicality and and they were I mean they actually said in that show if anybody listens to Sirius XM I think it was Saturday morning show they're like I don't know of any team that has you know live one on one type practices midweek essentially and I'm like whoa I'm waving my hand up I'm like I think Scott Frost is saying that we may do that this year it was really interesting to to hear that national perspective that almost no one is doing that and Scott Frost said in his presser we're gonna do it. Yeah, not only is he saying that, but he's saying that in year two. Like, it wouldn't necessarily surprise the college football world to hear Nick Saban do that. I'm like, oh, big deal. You've got a five-star behind a five-star behind a five-star. You know, if you yeah. go physical practice, what's your big loss? But to hear Scott Frost talk about it, you know he's only in year two. You know that we have depth issues at center, at guard, at inside linebacker. You know, there, there's some questions. We've got some holes. And yet, with that said, he's still willing to put the physical practices in because he sees the value outweigh yep. the depth concerns uh-huh. and being stronger going through the Big Ten. Love you know, it! The, 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 I love every bit his, of this. His big quote was, "How is the? I'm gonna hopefully the Big Ten adjusts to us. Yes. That is awesome. But this is how this coaching staff evolves and adjusts to the Big Ten. We need to be tougher, and we need to get there quicker. And the only way, because this question, by the way, uh, side note, Scott Frost opening press conferences, the local media, Journal Star, Omaha World Herald, Rivals guys asked the best questions I've ever heard those guys ask in a press conference. They were thoughtful, and they were on point. But they asked, can you cultivate toughness? Can you, can you generate that? And that's exactly when Frost went to the Osborne story and talked about going physical on day on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And so, Mac, that's what they're going to do. And the spring ball, what did you see, Hawk? Well, I mean, when we went back to spring ball, Mac, and we were at the coaches' clinic and we saw a practice. I mean, we watched that whole Friday practice a week before the spring game. They weren't just physical; they were pissed at each other. I mean, there was just, and I mean that in the nicest way. Defense hated the offense, and the offense hated the defense. They they were physical against each other. And that can breed over to what we're doing now. And to your point, we're not Alabama where we have five-star behind, five-star behind, five-star. But you know what we are right now? We are at 155 players with walk-ons. And you know what that is? That's about 30 more than any other team right now in the entire Big Ten. So Frost, in about the matter of 18, 19, 20 months, 
has basically built a team that has 20 or 30 more players than anybody else. Now, what I'm getting at with that, that doesn't guarantee wins. No one's arguing that. But what we're saying is, is that they are building a team in the likeness of what they want to do long-term. They want to be physical. And this is unique about being a spread team. When Frost came here a year ago, Mac, Mm -hmm. and we watched Frost talk the first time, when he said, we want to be Oregon speed, but, but Husker power, what would give you any clue that he isn't serious about that right now? Zero. In, in 20 months of Zach Duvall, we have built Husker Power. Yep. He has now built a walk-on program that has literally got us up to 155 players. Yep. We cannot fit our guys into our or into our locker room. We're going to have to build the mythical facility that, that... That no one's talking about, but everybody's talking about. Pointed it out to my in-laws today. I'm like, and this yeah. track is where this new facility, whenever they decide to announce, it's going to be. But, it's but gonna for some be reason, there. we can't talk and about it. And it's going to be there because they're doing everything that they said they want to do. They are building a program, and now... And now now we're developing players in a physical way to run the style of offense that they want to run. I not just offense, just the style of play that they want to run. They want to be physical. We have to be the most physical team in the trenches if we're going to win in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. We saw that against Iowa a year ago, the last game of last year. We were not physical enough to win a game like that, even though we only lost by three at the last second, which is amazing to the team. But we're not physical enough. And Frost walked out of that game going, I don't ever want to see a team that small, that that yep. overpowered again. And I think, to your point, Mac, seven defensive linemen that each squad 800-plus pounds and all the development they've done and bringing in guys like Ty Robinson and bringing in guys on the offense like Ben Hart and bringing in big dudes, they are serious about fixing that strength and that size depth in a hurry. This is not... Mike Riley, three years in, going, Lord. we're starting over. Talk about talk about the difference in the guys you bring on the team. Mike Riley's biggest transfer guy he ever got was Jordan Stevenson, a cast-off from Wisconsin <laughs> who came in fat and out of shape and demanded to be started or at least at the minimum return kicks and was off the team by, what, game three and has never played football again? Whereas Foss yeah, goes out right. and gets kind of I Noah from California who's going to be – Great. He gets he gets Daniel's brother. Darian? Oh, Darian. Darian. Darian Daniels, who has basically transformed the defensive line room into something that's going to be contended with. How about he develops a guy like Azigba who he didn't get? Oh, he, I, he, I'm he, just saying. He, he took in an Azigba who was not, Azigba was not his guy. He brought in Greg Bell because Greg Bell is supposed to be the stud. And they were within three or four games able to, to, first off, be man enough to go, you know what? We made a mistake. This isn't the guy that's going to be the stud. Yeah. And you know what? We developed. This other kid, Ezekiel, he's our kid. Yeah. Doesn't matter that we didn't didn't recruit him. We want this guy to be our yeah. guy. And you know what? He goes on and runs for the thousand yard. So honky with Frost Presser. Let, let's get a few more of the quotes out there. Maybe yes. I mean, I'm sure you've probably uh, thought about a few of the other things he said. What really stuck out to you when he talked about the, the the being physical? That was obviously a big part of it. But he also talked about how we actually already have a, a group identified that comes up with meets with the coaches when it comes to the Unity Council. The Unity Council is a big piece of this. And so we already have players that are doing that. I thought when he talked about, you know, with players, like one of my goals as a coach is to have guys leaving feeling the same way about the state that I do. Like guys that give a, give a hoot about the state. You don't just play for Nebraska. You want to be here. When you leave here, you think so highly of the state. And that is something that's not necessarily unique to the last 15 years. I think there are guys like Dave, Levante David and Dominican Sue. There are guys that left here that felt very highly about the state. <laughs> Burkhead did. I mean, there are a number of guys that did. But the point is, I want guys that actively act like they mm-hmm. care about this place. And when Frost says that, I want guys that leave this program feeling the same way about the state that I do. 
I mean, that's just, that's amazing to me. And that's, that's exactly what I want. And the last thing he did say in this, it's just a side note. It's just a great thing. He talked about coach DeWitt, who's gone through a horrible off season with the cancer and all that. And he talked about how he's doing great. In fact, he ran a meeting the other day for the coaches and special teams. How awesome is that? Javon DeWitt, thank God that you're doing great. And, and, and we're so happy to hear that. And just, my God, that brings the biggest smile to my face, Dave. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we wish his full recovery there is going really well. So that's great to hear. All right, Hockey, is there any other uh, kind of more mailbag uh, questions that, that we had? I do have one more question, but you know what? I am going to say one other thing that Frost talked about, and it's been overstated several times, so this won't be the first time you've heard it, but he did talk about how in his top 25 of the coaches poll, in which Nebraska finished 26th then, he did not vote us in the top 25. I think that was brilliant on his part. There's no point for him to overhype us. I mean, we've got plenty of hype coming nationally, so he doesn't need to be the guy to do it. It was kind of the right way to play it. It was just like, look, I think we're going to be good. I think I think we've got all these things going right. But yeah, I didn't vote us in the top 25, which is really cool because we finished 26 without the help of our coach. It, it would be interesting to see what he may have voted us had the the offseason hype not been so high in us. But I, I tend to feel that he still wouldn't. I mean, listen, we won four games. There's nothing but hype. Anything beyond, we won four games. We've won four won games four the last games. two years. It's all hype. It's all hype, but it is based on a, a bit of a foundation of, well, we've got a coach here who's got a track record of flipping a team, and we've got a quarterback, which is one of the biggest indicators of a victory or a successful team as far as a predictive stat, a returning quarterback who is a legitimate mm-hmm. talent. We've got that too. So predictive stats, let's talk a little bit of a mailbag, what's come in here. Coworker Eric, uh, we had Michael Hall on Twitter, a couple of different of our followers. I'll just throw a couple of their questions together. I'll start with you, Dave, and then go to you, Mac. One of the questions was, uh, you know, who's going to be our leading receiver, running back, and tackler for the season? Whew, okay, uh, leading receiver is that the and so is that catches or yards? Ah, you know, we'll just say either right now. He didn't he didn't get too specific. That one seems to be the Jerry Spillman. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a chance that someone could catch more balls, I suppose, but yards wise, I'd be shocked if it's not JD. Running wise, at this point. To me, I mean, if you pick anybody besides Diedrich Mills, I'd be surprised. It could be someone like Mo Washington, but I just feel like Mills is the way safer pick here. And then tackling wise, uh, that's a that's a really good question. I'll, I'll since I got to go first, I got to pick uh, the best. I'll go Mo Berry because that's the smartest. He's the returning highest tackler in the conference. That makes sense. Matt, hey. how about you? I literally. Would exactly echo everything Dave said. <laughs> it, 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 short of injury, J.D. Spielman probably would have eclipsed Stanley Morgan's yardage status last year. I mean, I, I just assume he would have. The only way he isn't is just based on the evolution of this offense and the distribution gets to be a point where he isn't. I, but but even at that, I figure he's number one. Running back-wise, I'm 100% with you, Dave. If, if Maurice Washington's legal status was cleared, it's a question mark. But Mills is, Mills is coming in as good as advertised. Frost has already mentioned him. He doesn't do that with players that he isn't high on. And then Mo Berry, right. I really think Mo Berry, as good of a year as he had last year, I've, I've rewatched. I would hate to tell Redcasters how many hours I've spent rewatching old games. But <laughs> I watched Mo Berry miss many tackles. But not because of not because of lack of effort, but just maybe just going the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't foresee that this year. So if he's playing with that same effort, stronger, bigger, he's gonna he'll be all big ten. And, and like that to me. So Dave, I added nothing to that segment. Well, no, well, well then add something here. Um, you talked about Maurice Washington. And I think that we both 
agreed as we listened to how Frost talked about Washington in the press conference. He handled it perfectly. And he basically said all the right things to the extent of, look, we don't know what's going to happen. We can't control what the timeline is of this. And he basically said, this is not a decision that's going to come down to me. And, and I don't want to make that decision. I want to, you know, the university is going to get involved. We're going to have, we're going to have multiple people involved and you're going to have the legal status and all that stuff. And he handled it perfectly. But what he talked about with Washington is all my expectations of him right now are show up, be a good teammate, do the right things. And Mac, I mean, kind of what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it was basically just, it was almost like publicly he was saying to Maurice what I expect out of you to do. Yeah, that, that was interesting to me because this is a staff, and particularly Frost, his every word is calculated. Mm-hmm. And and I, I remember talking to you about this, and Dedick Mills was brought up, and the reports were he's as good as advertised, he came in looking exactly how he wanted him to do, reports are good. Maurice Washington gets brought up, and it's short of the legal thing. The next thing he said was he needs to be where he's supposed to be. He needs to be on time. He needs to be getting to class. He needs to be getting his workouts. He needs to be a good teammate. To me, that is obviously saying those are four categories that Maurice has fallen short in so far. And that has nothing to do with his legal status. This is this is his day-to-day how he behaves. Because at the, at the end of the day, he got popped for marijuana, and the whole other thing that he's dealing with happened before he even got to Nebraska. So we're talking about his experience with Frost since he got here. So that just rang a few bells in my head. So he's a Husker. I'm going to root for him. I hope the best for him. This season does not hinge on Maurice Washington. I think that's a that's a solid point there. And I've heard that from other, yeah. you know, media people where they're like this season does not hinge on him, but we want him to be along for the ride if he can be. Yeah, I think we'll know a lot more with that next court date on September 3rd. We're not predicting anything, but he may miss this first game versus South Alabama and then at that point you have a, a pretty safe bet that hearing should give you some sort of indication, yes or no, and then you go from there. So, yeah. uh we'll find out, right? All right, anything else in the, on the mailbag? Or do you want to add your uh, – do you have any surprises with that answer, actually? Huh? I, I really don't. I mean, I think everything you guys said there was right. Michael Hall, that was a fantastic question. But I have a question for you guys, kind of along those same lines. With the, with the way this defense is set up, turnovers are the key. We're an attacking-style yeah. defense. Who on our defense leads the team in turnovers? So let's just break it down to who do you think leads the team in interceptions this year? We've got returning cornerbacks, but we've got two fresh safeties. I'm going to guess uh, Deontay Williams. Yeah, that's the guy. I I immediately think of the diving interception against Michigan last year. The effort that he gave at a point in a game when the game was well over. Yeah, I agree, Dave. I 100% agree. Just from a safety perspective, it's a little easier to get those two besides – the cornerbacks. I'll be intrigued. Mac, a follow-up question. Um, <laughs> which cornerback, Lamar or DiCaprio, ends up being kind of that lockdown quarter of that oh, quarterback man. that the opposing team does not want to throw to? That's a good. Oh, that's a good. Question. Is it Boodle yeah, or Jackson? That's a really good question. I'll say Boodle. I'll say Boodle. I- so Lamar could get more opportunities. For deflect pass breakups, deflections, and an INT. It, it, it may end up that way. I, I think Boodle's, you know, PBUs will be pretty close to the same, maybe numbers. Because you're going to have to pick one, you know. You're going to have to pick one to throw at. And I think Boodle's more of a lockdown just because his ability and coverage seems better. But Lamar may be the benefit of Boodle's better play in terms of interceptions. Yeah. Could have some big numbers. And now, Nebraska ball. All right, we're back, and we've got the last question here. Mm. 
of the mailbag that came in this week. And it's from Kerry Bollier. And I'm pretty sure it's not the person's last name because it's spelled exactly like Barry Collier, except it's Kerry Bollier. Fascinating. And oh, it was through that's, our, that's that's tricky right there. <laughs> it was through our, our Go Big Redcast and Gmail account. So we thank you, Kerry Bollier. Uh, anyways, he said, just, uh, just saw the NU fans have already sold out the lower bowl of PBA for the opening night of Husker Hoops. Uh, people can't actually be thinking that this team will make the postseason, can they? So that's just their question in general. I'm going to throw that to you, Dave. They, <laughs> the team obviously just went today. They flew out to Italy. They've got four games and they've got all these practices. But yeah, yeah. Th- this guy's saying, you know, there's no way we can be that excited as fans. I mean, is this possible? Well, I mean, postseason, that was his comment in particular. He was just saying we can't make postseason. I'm guessing that means NIT too. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been intrigued on this in a little bit because I, I've listened to a lot of the uh, the Husker scribes on this one. And there's this whole thing of like, well, you know, they're they're going to be okay. They could be could be really good you know maybe maybe they could make uh the nit maybe they would go above 500 and and it makes me i guess scratch my head a little bit because if if you're a big 10 team and you finish the season above 500 you are highly likely to make the nit so people are saying oh well i we won't make the nit but we'll probably finish above 500 that doesn't make any sense to me if we go 17 and 15 or something like that we're probably in the nit guys so those two two things go hand in hand and i think it's a very realistic expectation i mean hoiberg took his iowa state team to i think a 500 record we have a very manageable non-conference we had those discussions earlier on the show where really it's built for wins and and building team chemistry and if if we would actually could make a run in the big 10 that would potentially vault us onto the bubble and beyond. But if we just simply were then halfway competitive in the Big Ten and kept a 500-plus record, we're an NIT team. So, yeah, I mean, postseason expectations should be okay for Nebraska basketball fans. Yeah, what's kind of interesting is if you just look at the schedule, I mean, we're not looking at Seton Hall, Clemson, Oklahoma State, and Creighton and Texas Tech like we had a year ago. That just isn't the reality yes. this year. We don't have to be a great team to finish non-conference at that same record that we literally had a year ago, which was somewhere around the 11-2 and two range. Yep, that's right. We don't have to yep. be great. We The schedule just plays it, itself out that way. I'm not saying we're going to be that. I have no idea. I don't know half these players. I've never seen them play. so They don't know each other. They don't. <laughs> Now, is there ever a better season for the team to have this Italy trip and have these extra 10 practices? This is this is golden for these guys right now. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, it does hurt that Cam Mack is not on the trip. He uh, had his uh, deemed eligible, but then was sick, so he's going to miss the trip. But uh, besides that, it's, it's a high value to have these, these practices. I hear the competition that they're going to be playing in Italy is not great, but really it's just about the uh, practices and actually getting to know each other. The reports we did get back from the media that did see one of the practices, there's a, a lot to be uh, gained from these players starting to play with each yeah. other. The, the communication is not good, that type of stuff. Totally expected. It's just a matter of how quick that changes will really dictate how will they play once the season starts. Mac, we yeah. played at Skoda's back in the high school days, yeah. we, we played a little uh, intramural ball. Yeah. And you know how important it is to have that communication. Well, Nebraska ball is a passion of mine. I think that's that's been clear on every red cast we've done since the start. I mean, I, I'm probably the lone ranger on this one in terms of all the guys that we talk to. But I, I'm, I'm going to be pretty firm on this. I think 
The NIT is totally reasonable, guys. Wow. I, I, I just feel like the guys that we got, Shumashi Flaflavin and, <laughs> and Scooby De Flavern, you know, those guys are gonna be phenomenal. And 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 no in all seriousness, this I'm 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 very excited about the trajectory. Trajectory, yeah, trajectory is a yeah. great word. But beyond that, I will say another matrix adjustment that I've noticed is that Miller North team has got like what? Yeah, four or five yeah. Division One offer guys on that that team. All, all of a sudden, sudden, in-state like in-state, we're just producing hey, listen, four man, stars. Like it's just, nothing. Just land your in-state guys, and it seems like we're just gonna be fine. You know, I'm a big fan of Fred. Let's let's make it happen, guys. Hey, we stay above 500. This is my pledge to you, Redcasters. <laughs> I will be on every podcast that we stay above 500 as as a as a basketball, right. and that's important. You want him on there, Dave? I don't yes. know if you've done any research on this. I think I saw a stat that said. When Hoiberg was at Iowa State, he he did not recruit a single Iowa kid, an actual scholarship. That sounds well, correct, but Iowa. Yes. Well, and, and what I'm saying They're is the like, worst state ever. I know, but but actually in basketball, Iowa is unbelievable. The amount at of wrestling talent. and sports that don't matter. Yeah, I know. But well, <laughs> but yeah. In, yeah, he was forgiven for that, Hawk. But you are correct. I I don't think he had any and the at fact all. Of the matter and, is between not just Donovan Williams next year, but like you know the Silas and these kids, the the Miller North Chucky kids, Hepburn, about, Hepburn, et cetera, I yeah. mean, he he is not hesitating to go after local kids here in Nebraska. I don't. I'm not trying to make too big of a point out of that. Other than, of course, I love local kids in every sport. Always recruit Nebraska kids, but I just think it's awesome. And maybe it's the matrix correcting itself. To your point, Mac, is that all of a sudden in-state kids are worthy of offering, and that's awesome. Yep. I'm not going to argue why. Agree. Just just recruit them. Absolutely. All right. Good stuff, guys. I really enjoyed the show. <laughs> um, I think you guys did too. Let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots. All right. Let's uh, let's go with Mac first. Actually, Mac, what do you got? Well, I just like to remind the Redcast fans and Husker Nation in general: stop being worried about outside expectations being too high. It's ridiculous. It <laughs> makes you look small. If yep. you're worried about Iowa, if you're worried about Wisconsin, if you're worried about Purdue, if you're worried about Minnesota, I, I don't really want to be friends with you. Those are, those are not teams to concern yourself with. Join me. I mean, these are teams that we will stomp on on our way to beating down Ohio State. I'm tired of it, guys. Blue blood. Get used to it. We're winning now. That's all. Love it. All right, Honky, what do you got? First off, I want to give a promotion to our next, well, actually our next recording. It's not going to be released next, but producer Skip, and we talk about him a lot. Uh, we have a great show coming up about the Nebraska-Colorado history in the series. It's going to release the week of that game. Can't wait. We're going to record it here in a couple a couple of days, but it'll release it that, that week. And it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be kind of a 30 for 30 kind of documentary kind but of series. Better, but in, in the meantime... <laughs> You know, Redcasters, if you have any memories, any specific questions, anything you want to talk about with uh, true anecdotal first person experience, yeah, Nebraska, Colorado stuff, send it to us, send it to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're all at, at Go Big Redcast or send it at Go Big Redcast at Gmail. Send it to us because that it's going to be a really cool show. We're going to record it in a couple of days, but send us your thoughts. You know, do that. The other thing is, this just goes back to our social media. I want to just thank you guys, all you Redcasters. We just went over 2,000 followers. On Facebook alone, a couple, two or three shows ago, I said we just went over 5,000 total followers. We're at like 6,500 now. Like another 1,500 followed us. Like we are literally, we've passed Holdridge, I think. Or no, uh, we're coming up on Holdridge. I don't know what town we are, but you know, you know. (laughs) It's going to be a Redcast takeover. As big as numbers we can get, we're going to go to that town and we're going to take it over. Yeah, Redcast. It's going to be a blast. Redcast Nation. Red beers. 
we're almost at Seward level. So, I mean, oh, I mean that's Seward. that's how crazy big it is. So, anyways, I just want to thank all the people that are following us. I'd like to, to thank us. Seward. You're, you're awesome. And while I'm talking about that, too, the other thing is uh, rate us. Go to you know iTunes or whatever the, the you know podcast provider that you listen to us. Rate us. Listen to us. Give us feedback. We love to hear it. Let us know. But, you know, hopefully we're kind of a five-star podcast for you guys because uh, we love. <laughs> Not that it matters because we develop. But we love doing this, and hopefully you guys love listening to and us. And we're local. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that NUC show, and uh, we'll be back next week with a, a regular red cast um, breaking down everything we're hearing from fall camp. Uh, for now, let's call that a Go Big Red Cast. All right, you boy.